Good afternoon, everyone. Got a good crowd. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Do you, do we really have an appreciation, a true appreciation for who we are? You're, you and I, we are children of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. I'm not, I'm not sure we understand that deep enough to let it sink in. I remember a time or two, maybe more than that in my life, in my dad's store. My dad, as you know, ran a building supply and hardware most of his life and there were times where we had customers and, of course, all the customers want to see the owner. If you've been in business, you know how that is. And it was something. My dad didn't really realize what he was doing to me and what a positive thing this was. When the customers would want to see him and he would say to the customer, this is Mickey here. He'll take care of you. He's my son. And something happened inside the mind of the customer. All of a sudden, the customer wanted to deal with me. They said, oh, well, if he's your son, certainly. So I would take the customer and, you know, make that purchase or... Uh, figure up his house or his plumbing or whatever it might be. And he, he trusted me simply because my dad, my father, earthly father, bestowed upon me in his presence the fact that I was a son. Oh, well, if you're a son, that's all we need to know. And our God and Father in heaven tells us time and time again in the Word how much he loves us, as his children when you confess the Lord Jesus Christ you die to yourself and you are buried into the waters of baptism when you come up out of the waters of baptism you experience something called being born again and you are being born into the family of God himself and if you're born into the family of God Himself, that makes you and me a child of God. How should we see ourselves? Time and time again, my dad would say to me, Now, son, I've lived all my life and made many sacrifices to give you the name Burleson. So that wherever you go and you say your name, I am Mickey Burleson. Many times they would say, who's your daddy? Who's your grandpa? Especially out in the country. 
And when I pronounced who my grandpa was and who my uncles are and who my daddy was, it made 100% of the difference. Back then, and this was years ago, as to whether I would get a loan or not. Now they go by credit scores. But then it was a little different. And so my dad would say, you know, I, I've, I've sacrificed a lot to give you a good name. Now, son, I expect you to live up to it. Now, I knew what he meant. is to follow that example of integrity, Christian character, of honesty, of giving an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, of when you... When you buy something, you make sure you pay for it. When you give your word, you make sure that word, if you say yes is yes, if you say no is no. And if you say you'll be there on time, see, I'm, I can hear my dad right now preaching to me. That's only an earthly dad to an earthly son. The Lord has given us His revealed word, the word of God Himself. To say to you, to you and me as Christians, we're, you're my children. Look what I've sacrificed for you. Look what it costs to give you, to get you into this world of Christianity. The blood, death, burial, and resurrection of my own son, my only begotten, to get you into this family. Now how should we live as children of God out in the world to bring honor and glory to our Father. And I've tried to live my life with the echo in my mind of saying, Son, I gave you a good name. Live up to it. And now God has given me a daughter and God has given me a son. And I've had that same speech with them. I've given you a good name. Live up to it. And I'm sure my daughter and my son are having that same conversation with my grandchildren. Look at what Pop-Pop has done for us. And look at what we've done for you. Now, how do you live? How, what's your attitude be? What's your ethic be? What is your morals? How should you live before people? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, you're either a peacemaker or you're a, a troublemaker. Now some people want to straddle the fence. But you're either or. And we make a decision. I'm going to build up the church or by my thinking and words and behavior and attendance and offering and giving and contribution and my service, I'm going to tear down the church. We're either building it or we're tearing it down. And you know, you can tear down something by doing nothing, can't you? Any mechanic will tell you the worst thing you can do for a vehicle is to what? To not drive it. Just let it sit there. The seals will go bad. The tires will dry rot. You may think you're, you're protecting it. 
you're doing it, and I'm not talking about overdriving it and burning it up. That's another thing you could do. But the worst thing you can do for a vehicle is just do nothing. And I've heard an old statement that's so true, not, not from the Bible, but it's a true uh, maxim, I guess you could say, or axiom, or a, a motto, or a word, that talk about doing nothing. It says, the only thing the devil needs in order to destroy the church is for Christians to do nothing. We don't have to raise our hand against the gospel in order to destroy it. We can just ride the fence and decide we're not going to build and we're not going to tear down. We're just going to steady along. And we, ended up, we end up doing harm to the Lord's church and to ourselves and to our, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us be, because we're children of God and we want to be called children of God, let us be peacemakers. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 gives us the, the uh, list of things that the Lord hates. Six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven are abomination to it. One of them is a proud look. One of them is hands that are swift to running into trouble or mischief. I'm not going to list all six, but because that's not her lesson. One of them is one who sows discord among brethren. In other words, a troublemaker. And that's, that's, not, that's something you and I do not want to be. We want to be a peacemaker where God will look at us and say, that's my son, that's my daughter. Now let's look at some definitions and descriptions. We're already doing that, just in this introduction to the lesson. But don't you want to be blessed? Remember what blessed means. It means fortunate, well off, happy. I want to be happy. I want to, be, I want to consider myself and have the world consider me. Look at me and go, you know he's fortunate. Oh, Mickey, he's well off. Or to look at the church. Now, that church is very fortunate. That church is well off. That church is happy. They're blessed. Well, he says, blessed is the one who's a peacemaker. What, is, what, is, what do you think a definition of peace would be? I tried to find one that was positive in direction, but all the definitions I found were negative, and it's what, what something is not. So peace is the absence of hostilities. Peace is to be free from quarrels and disagreements. To be at peace is to be free from strife, fussing and fighting. Free from trouble. That's what it means to be at peace. You do realize that trouble could be going on all around us. And we could be at peace, couldn't we? I mean, 
We all have bills to pay, battles to fight, dragons to slay. We've got meetings to go to. We've got uh, tests to take. We've got, we're looking forward to something that you know, we may be excited about or we may be regretting. We all have those things. I mean, every one of us have issues going on, but you know, here we sit in the church building together, worshiping God, and look at us. We're at peace. The words being preached, we've sung these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that Eric has led us in. We've prayed and read the scripture. The world may be in chaos, but we can still be at peace. Why? Because that's what we want. God is a peacemaker. God is not a troublemaker. If trouble's going on, it's not trouble when God does it. Now, God may allow issues in your life and mine, but it's not to cause us trouble. It's to make us stronger. It's to make us more faithful. It's to make us better servants of His. So He allows us to go through some things, but He's standing right there over us. I remember when our children were young, and, you know, Cindy and I, we would challenge them, like, like teaching your child to ride a bike. First, you, get, you know, what we did, we get them a tricycle, right? They pedal, three wheels, hard to turn over, but you know they can still turn it over. Especially if you have one of these daredevils like we did. I mean, he'd, he'd fix up something to jump his tricycle over. But you know, you teach them that. You stand there over them. You say, okay, now here's what you do. Show them how to do it. And you sort of step back a little bit, but then you just follow them along, right? As they ride it. Why are you following them along? You don't just turn them loose, do you? You stay right there with them. And then pretty soon, they're riding that tricycle no problem at all. Then you get on up, they grow a little bit, get them a bicycle with training wheels, right? You leave those training wheels until they learn what the brakes are and the pedals. Very simple. But what do you do? You're right there with them. Now, our son, we'd say, now see that mailbox there? We lived at the end of a horseshoe. That mailbox there, Cindy remembers, to this mailbox here. And boy, he would go wide open on that bicycle right in front of the house. And right when he got to the mailbox, he'd turn and come back through. That was his route. He saw some of his friends riding their bikes without training wheels. He said, you know, I think I'd like to try that. Well, I said, you, you ready to try it? We'll try it. Took those training wheels off. Now the bicycles, you got to have balance. What did I do as a dad? Get him, on, get him on that bicycle. I'm holding on to the back seat, running alongside him, trying not to trip and fall. You know, he doesn't want to go slow, does he? He wants to go fast. But I'm right there with him, running alongside. And I let, let him get out ahead of me a little bit. Sometimes he'll wreck it. And I go and pick the bicycle up. Son, you all right? You all right? You skin up a little bit? Well, his knees may be skinned. Yep, but you know what? Get back on there. I'm right there with him. Pretty soon, I'm sitting in a, a swing out behind the house, and he's riding a bike. 
God may allow things to happen in our lives that we think are negative. But He's right there. Just like we are with our children. We're the children of God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We may think, you know, when my son, when he had that bicycle, he's had his eyes forward. He wasn't looking at who was behind him the whole time, ready to rescue him at any moment when he was learning. I was right there. If he bobbled the, the least, I had a hold of that bike, straightening it up, pushing him on away. Eventually, though, he got on away. Pretty soon, he's getting behind the wheel of a car. And I'm teaching him the same thing, sitting over in that other seat, ready any moment, first in the parking lot and then in, out in the farm maybe. Or then, that's how, If we're that way, is God not much better than us? God is a peacemaker. You know, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, and that's with uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 12, we have the situation that happened between Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel had an earthly mom and dad, Adam and Eve. But who was their father? God. And for whatever reason, God, when they were sacrificing to, them, to, to, him, uh, to him, God had pleasure in Abel's sacrifice and in Abel. But God did not have pleasure in Cain and his sacrifice. Cain had a heart problem. Maybe a submission problem. Maybe a love problem. Maybe a problem understanding. But God could see that Cain was about to wreck his bike. And so God came down and grabbed a hold of him. And I'm talking about in the spiritual sense. He met with him and he said, Son, Cain, why have, has your countenance fallen? Why do you feel like you feel? Why are you depressed? Why are you mad? Why are you revengeful against your brother? Sin is crouched outside your door. He gave him a picture that roaring lion is a sin that's just right outside the door. He said, and its desire is to have you. But fight him. Don't open that door. If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, oh me. What, you could hurt so bad. But Cain didn't listen to his father, God. He went on and out in the field he rose up against his brother and murdered him. And even then did not feel any repentance or regret. Because when God come, come to him and said, where's your brother? He said, I don't know. That's a lie. Am I my brother's keeper? A misunderstanding. Because indeed he was. And then God says, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And oh, he sent Cain away. And Cain then understood what it was like to be separated from his father.
He said, my punishment is more than I can bear. And you know what he was referring to? Is the separation between father and son. And God, of course, His grace and mercy was extended even to Cain. But, but God, it shows us right there that God is a peacemaker. He wanted to make peace between the two brothers. He didn't like to see animosity. He didn't like to see fussing and fighting. I don't like to see that in my family. Do you? Because I'm a peacemaker. I don't like to have trouble. I don't like to have trouble in a congregation of the Lord's people. We all, as members of the church, need to strive to be, and that word strive is, is in a positive sense. We ought to endeavor to be, plan to be, peacemakers. Let's make peace. There's going to be trouble. We have an enemy, the old devil. Do you know in John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, what his sole purpose is? To steal, to kill and to destroy. Does that sound anything positive to you? His purpose, the thief, comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I've come as a peacemaker. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy, though, he, we, we have him. He's around us. We just, as a peacemaker, we're going to say, no, not here. We're not going to do that. Sisters are going to get together. Brothers are going to get together. Brothers and sisters, get together. Just like we do in my family. Sometimes we, every family has that. Between sons and daughters and, and brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies and, and parents and children and uncles and aunts and grandparents and grandchildren. We all, but you know what? In a family, we get together. So look here, let's not feel this way. Peacemaker, because we want to be children of God. I love peace. And so did the Apostle Paul. Look at what he wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I mean, right off in the first writing of the letter. Now I plead with you, brethren... That means brothers and sisters, family. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. In other words, get together. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Now, are we going to have troublemakers among us? Why, sure. Sure, we're going to. But what we want to do in the name of Jesus Christ is to turn that troublemaker into a peacemaker. Jesus can do that. Remember, with human beings, it may not be possible. But with God, even the most orneriest, orneriest, can you say that? Even the most ornery member of the church can become a peacemaker. Now let's talk about it. A peacemaker will look for peace. To find it. If you look for something, you'll find it. Now if you look for trouble, guess what? 
You'll find it. But if you look for peace, you'll be able to find it too. So a peacemaker, one attribute of a peacemaker is they're seeking peace. I'm looking for peace. Where can I find it? In this home? Is there peace in this home? Oh, that's what I want to see. Is there peace in this business? Is there peace in this school? Well, you're going to find trouble, yeah, but I'm looking for peace. So a peacemaker seeks peace. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, that's all the ones. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. One Father of all who is in all and above all and through all and by all. There's one. What does that mean? Unity. Not division. Peace. Not troublemaking. So Christ Jesus, through Paul to the church at Ephesus, said, there's one among us. Let's be one. Didn't Jesus pray that in John 17? I pray, dear Father, that they may be one as we're one. You and I, we're one. Father, you, you instruct me and I follow. What your will is, I make my will. And so God has given us His Word, the Bible. A lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He's given all Scripture by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that we have everything we need for every good work. We have it right here to know how to be one together. You copying this, me copying this, we're going to be the same. Different, but the same. Same mind. Loving God, loving one another. Wanting what's best for the church. Here at Waterson Trail, we want to we honor God in our lives. We want to show our devotion to Christ Jesus by how we live. And we want to show our love for everyone. Lost and saved. No matter what. We want to show love, the love of Christ, to everyone. So do I look for peace? Do I seek it? Seek it out? Or am I looking for trouble? I want to be peaceful. I want to be a peacemaker. Do I make peace? Let's, see, let's say I'm looking for peace and I can't find it. What do I do next? When all I find is trouble. What does a peacemaker do in trouble. Let me, let me rephrase it. What does a peacemaker do in trouble? He makes peace. Wherever a peacemaker is, he's a making peace. Wherever a peacemaker is, she could be at a ladies' retreat. Hint, hint. She could be at a men's retreat. She could be in a Bible class. I didn't even hint, did I? I just went right on in there. She could be at a Bible class. Could be at a business, at a school. Could be at, at a restaurant. In the midst of trouble, a peacemaker 
makes peace. Even between a brother and sister, or two sisters or two brothers, one sister or one brother will say, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. Come here. Let me get you two together, and I'm going I'm to be the referee. And we're going to get this worked out where we're going to leave here in peace. Everything will be all right. You're going to say I'm sorry, and you're going to say I'm sorry. Now I want to hear it. See, my mother was a great peacemaker with three sons. We'd come in, and some neighbor would have called my mother. That's before cell phones, too. I don't know how in the world my mother found out that my brother and I had scuffled over here a mile away. And, you know, the, my, me and my brother right under me, we're walking home, and we're apologizing to each other. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry too. Boy, I hope mother doesn't find out. We get home. My mother's already, she says, come here. What is this I hear? We're just two angels, right? Can't you see two little boys? Just angel, angelic faces. And of course, you know, it all comes out when your mother says, let me have it. It just blurts out. And she says, you boys are brothers. You can't treat each other like this and talk to each other that way. Brothers don't do that. Now, I want you to hug each other's neck. Boy, didn't you just love that if your mother made you do that? We did. But then if we didn't do it like we meant it, so you can't just, to my mother, you can't just do one of the quick hugs. You have to hug like you mean hugging. Then she'd say, now you say I'm sorry. You couldn't just say sorry. You had to say I'm sorry. And you had to say it like you meant you were. You couldn't just say it. You had to mean it. I want to hear it. And finally, you know, she'd let us go, and we'd get outside and go, man, I don't want to ever go through that again. That was tough. My mother was a peacemaker, and she meant it. <laughs> you're, going <to> be, <laughs> you're going to be at peace. Of course, mothers can not only be peacemakers, they can be troublemakers too. Make trouble for you, that's for sure. Do you seek peace? Do you make peace? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26, Jesus gives us the rules. If you come to worship, bring in your gift to honor God, and you remember there that you and your brother, or you and your sister, something's wrong between you, he said, you leave your gift at the altar. Go and first be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then you come offer your gift. See, God, Jesus here, uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, is, is trying to help us understand what He thinks about being at peace. It could be the reason that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ at Waterson Trail and every other congregation of the Lord's Church, it could be one of the reasons they're not present among us. It's because 
there's something wrong, either in their life or our life or something between us. And that's where we have to remember, did I, did I, did I do right by my brother and sister in Christ? And if I didn't, he tells me to leave it here. I remember an occasion many years ago where in the audit, out in the uh, foyer, not here, but else, somewhere else, one of the elders really reprimanded me about something that I was innocent in. But it was as I was walking in for worship. And so I didn't have, we didn't have time to go in and, and talk. So worship was starting and I had a sermon to preach. And I was, I was upset. And so when the Lord's Supper passed, I didn't take bread. I passed it on down. And I didn't drink the fruit of the vine. I passed it on down. And he was sitting over and saw me not take communion. Afterwards, he came up to me and said, I noticed you didn't take communion. I said, absolutely I didn't take it. Because I was in no position to take it and, and honor God. Because of what you did to me, what you said to me. Because I was innocent in it. And it upset me terribly to the point where I could not eat and drink of the fruit of the vine in a worthy manner. And so when the church met in the afternoon or evening, we worked out our differences, being peacemakers. I took the Lord's Supper. When you come to worship and you remember that things are not right, go make them right. Jesus is saying that's how important it is. It's more important than this. Boy, that's... That's big. Then on over in uh, Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 20, he gives us even further details. He said, you know, if, if you've been hurt or your brother's been hurt, go talk to your brother alone. If, you've, if you can reach an agreement of peace, you've won your brother. Everything's fine. If you can't do that and it won't, can't work it out, take two or three witnesses or one or two witnesses. I think it's either one or two or two or three witnesses so that every word will be established. And if you've won your brother, you've won your brother. If not, he says, you tell it to the church and let the church go to that brother and say, look, we've got to work this out. And if he won't hear the church, then you've got to have no fellowship with him. Not that we don't love that person, but that we love him truly and we want him to go to heaven. That's how important peace is in our hearts, in our families, and in the church. I want to be a peacemaker. Why? Because I want to be called a child of God. Now, last, do I maintain peace? Do I seek it? Do I make it? And do I keep it? Because even when we do have peace, we have an enemy trying to intervene in that, to destroy that peace. How can I do that? Well, by my words. 
Sometimes I just need to say it. Sometimes I need to wait. Sometimes I need to measure my words. Not say too much, not say too little. Sometimes it's my expressions. Not just speaking the words, but how you say them, right? You've heard me say this one time. Cindy was calling for our son to do something. He said, she said, Ben, no answer. Ben, you know how mothers do? No answer. Ben, <laughs> see the expression changes? Maybe the third time, he said, what? <laughs> and I went to his bedroom door, and I said, boy, not son this time. <laughs> you want to change that tone? You see the difference between what and what? Isn't it the same word? But the expression is different. And the response is different too. One is trouble. One is peace. See, our very expressions, just our tone sometimes. I pray all the time that when I preach that my tone of voice will be not pleasing because the Word of God is not necessarily pleasing sometimes, but that it comes across with the right spirit and with the right love and the right concern for the souls of my brothers and sisters. Sometimes I've preached and it sounded angry. And I've apologized for that and do apologize. I want to come across as a person who's strong that wants to make peace, but, be, but, but is serious. All with love. I want to come across as not necessarily what, and not necessarily what, but somewhere in there where it needs to be. Right? Just your expressions, my actions, who I am. It comes across to other people to say, you know, that man... He's a troublemaker. I've met him. And it doesn't take me long, probably you too, to know there's something not quite right here. And sometimes I get tricked, probably you too, in trusting and finding out later that, uh-oh, this wasn't the way it should have been. So, who am I? Who are you? Are you a peacemaker? Great. We need a thousand of them. Are you a troublemaker? That is not good. We don't even need one of those. Do you want to be called a child of God? Be a peacemaker. You want to be a troublemaker? Guess what you're going to be called? Not a child of God? 
Because He doesn't promise to call a troublemaker a child of God. He promises to call a peacemaker a child of God. Now, if you're a troublemaker, then who's, who other is there to be a child of? No one can serve two masters. There's only two. There's only two ways, two roads, two gates. There's a way that leads to heaven. There's a way that leads to hell. There's no in-between. There's a way that's righteous and a way that's sinful. There's a way that's, that's broad and, and wide. There's a way that's straight and narrow. There's a master, God, in His Son, Jesus Christ. There's another master, Mammon, the God of the world, the devil. Peacemaker, troublemaker. I mean, this is not hard. Is it hard to think about? Yeah. But it's not difficult. Pretty easy. So, everybody in here, after this lesson, what are you? See there? You got it. <laughs> but if there just happens to be one of these other ones, you don't have to stay there. You could come and be united with us in Christ. That choice can be yours. We stand ready to help you if you want to make that choice as we stand together and sing.